I love, I love to see depictions of Christ's birth. In fact, we see them all around us this time of year. We see them on Christmas cards and creches and manger scenes. We see them in Facebook memes. We see them on billboards. My kids made one out of gingerbread. All of these scenes of Christ's birth, all of them beautiful in their own way. The delicate looks of the characters as they look at one another, the calm and resting animals, they seem to focus on the peace of it all, the perfect calmness, the quiet, the sense of all being set right with the world that night, the serenity of that first silent night. But you know, if you think about the story, it didn't happen that way. First of all, I learned something a few years ago when I visited the Holy Land. I learned that at the time of Jesus, most people in a small town, small village like Bethlehem, they didn't live in houses. In fact, there wasn't a lot of wood around to build structures. Most people they lived in caves. When you came across a village, you knew it was there because there'd be piles of rocks. And those rocks, they were around the doors to the cave. And in the cave that was natural and also human-made, there were chambers that were carved out of the walls. One of them was where the family slept. Another was a storage place and then maybe a third, that's where the animals were brought in. The animals were brought into the cave because they had body heat. They kept it warm. And you know, if you look at the Luke's, Luke's gospel in the Greek, this word in, in the biblical account of the nativity, it actually means the dwelling place, the cave. There was no room in the cave no room in the cave where the people usually slept. So Joseph and Mary, they were placed in the back of the cave with the animals. And the manger, it's not that wooden thing like we had at the pageant a few hours ago. It was a rock. It's a rock that had been carved out. The animals ate out of it. We have these Europeanized visions of the nativity these sanitized divisions, and you know they're all wrong. Jesus was born in a cave. If you don't believe me, go to the church of the nativity in Bethlehem, built on the site that Jesus was actually born. And where is the deep holy place? It's in the basement, below the church. You go down there, and there, inside a cave, is the rock, the rock Jesus was born on in a cave. And speaking of the birth, in that cave, there was no medicine, no running water, no epidural. Mary, meek and mild. Mary was a frightened teenager. And Joseph, 
He must have felt way over his head. And the shepherds, they were the most undesirable people in the first century. They were smelly and dirty. They were so distrusted that Roman courts wouldn't even accept their testimony as being true. They were the bottom of the bottom. So undesirable. So this picture of the nativity, why doesn't it have a scene of blood on the rocks or mud in Mary's hair? I wonder. I've wondering, been wondering a lot about this. Why do we love these peace-filled depictions of Jesus' birth so much? And I have a hunch. I have a hunch we love them so much because life is hard enough already. Do you know what I mean? Day to day we struggle to keep turbulent lives intact, to stem the tide of chaos that too often threatens to overwhelm us at home or at work or with family or at church or in the world at large. We have enough realism in the news or on the streets or in the stories we tell one another about what's going on with people we know. So we put a lot of energy into managing things. Controlling as many variables as possible of our 21st century lives. And I've come to believe that frankly, we're worn out doing it, worn out by the effort. So can't we at least come to church for a vision of something that's inherently, undeniably good, that's pure, peaceful, and beautiful? Little wonder that we look to stories of our faith, wanting not just a respite from the frenetic pace of everyday life, but something more, something comforting, something comfortable, something perfectly warm, cozy, and inspiring. So we devour these nativity scenes like spiritual comfort food that makes us feel so good. Except that's not Luke's nativity scene. That's not in the Bible. Luke knows something, something about wanting to order chaotic lives, a chaotic world too. In fact, that's where his story begins. He names it up front, Pax Romana, the Roman peace. The rulers of the world at his time who ruled through the subjugation and oppression of people across Europe, the Middle East, and North Africa, their act of ordering, that is registering, counting, taxing everyone for the sake of the empire, that's the background of the story. That's where it all begins. Rome trying to keep order. So Luke sets this story somewhere else, on the fringe. It's not in Rome. It's not in a big city. It's not even in Jerusalem. No center of power. It's in Bethlehem. No one's ever even heard of that place. A little backwater town 
where a scared young girl and her equally scared husband that can't find any decent place in which to birth their first child and they're forced to take refuge with the animals with only dirty shepherds and even dirtier sheep to notice. So why does Luke tell the story this way? Why does God tell the story this way? I actually think the whole story, the entire story, is an indictment. It's an indictment of the order of things in the world. It's an accusation against things as they are. Do you know what I mean? Let me try to say it another way. I think that by playing out the story on the fringe of things, just where you least expect, back to God to be God is telling us the way things usually are just isn't enough it's almost like God is whispering to us something that deep down we know already but are afraid to admit even to ourselves that these lives we've so carefully created the world we so work so hard to manage the world we try to keep clean and beautiful and precious and wonderful is also vulnerable, fragile, and ultimately, it's insufficient. If we take even a moment to gaze around us, we see how much of life is difficult or painful or all too short. And looking around at our community, even with all of the abundance, there are still children in this community who are going home, going home hungry tonight. And there's families that don't live in safety. There's young adults who are lost in addiction and elders who are sitting in a room alone right now. And the gap between rich and poor increases and starvation and war covers many parts of our world and this looming crisis in our environment, which already is affecting us all. We don't have to look too hard to know that it's not right. And so God comes not in the center of the world just to straighten things out a bit, but God comes on the fringe. God comes to call the orders and the structures of the day into question and herald a new beginning all together. Ultimately, Luke's story and Luke's gospel, if we're willing to listen, witnesses to a simple yet scary fact that God didn't come in Jesus to make things just a little bit better here and now or a little bit bearable. God came for something more. God came to turn over tables to create whole new systems, to resurrect, to redeem, rather than just merely to rehabilitate us. God came into the world to change everything. And that includes you, and that includes me. It's scary. Because you and I, we've invested a lot in the lives in our lives in the way that things are. And it can be downright frightening to give up what we know. And at the same time, 
It can be thrilling, a kind of adventure. This promise of God speaks to a place deep down inside each one of us that wants something more. Something more than a better job or a higher income or successful children or a nicer house or a more secure future or enjoyable retirement. This story of God, it speaks to a place deep in our souls, yours and mine, that wants a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose, a desire that says life is more than meets the eye, a deep longing to join into the irid resistible movement of God in the world. The movement that began that day Jesus was born. That movement that changes everything. And so God comes to the edges of the story to speak quietly and firmly through the blood, sweat, and tears and labor pains of a young mother in the back of a cave with the animals and the cries of her infant and God says, God is absolutely for us and joining with us in our ups and downs, our hopes and fears, committed to giving us not just more of the same, but something far greater. Christ comes not just to give us more of the life we know, but a new and abundant life altogether. For in Christ we have the promise that God will not stop until each one of us, whether we're Jew or Gentile, male or female, slave or free, black or white, Arab or Muslim, rich or poor, geek, cool, transgender, immigrant, criminal, judge, gay, straight, whatever we may be, each one of us, all of us have been embraced and caught up into God's tremendous love, God's love that is changing the world in you and me. Our part, our part like Mary, like Joseph, like Jesus, is to say yes, to say yes to God. To follow our unique God-given destiny, which one way or another in all the multitudes of form could possibly be present here. One way or another, our destinies together will be to be about the healing and mending of this hurting world we live in together. To be part of this change that Jesus teaches about, that Jesus shows us that Jesus leads us into bringing about. So this Christmas story, it's about leading us deeper into this life of God, leading us to ask questions about why and how we live our lives, how our communities and our society is structured, to ask questions that lead us to change, to change it all. God came into the world to change everything, to change you and to change me, to change our church, our community, and our world, to sweep us all up into the still unfolding story of God's birth 
as a living child in a cold, smelly cave to poor parents on the edge of an empire. The story of God walking among us and loving us to the end. A story of that first night when Jesus was born. Amen.